Welcome to Honoring Women of Color in Public Health, the podcast about mentorship and support for women of color in the field of public health. We share stories about how people got started, as well as advice and tips and mentorship, great support to help you along your journey. Summer Institute, SI, is one of the top adolescent and sexual conferences in the nation. The host of this annual conference, Fact Forward, is inviting all adolescent and sexual health professionals to join them in Charleston, South Carolina, to explore how we can achieve optimal health for adolescents. Attend Summer Institute 2023, Exploring Optimal Health for Adolescents, June 14th through 16th as we learn from some of the leading voices in adolescent and sexual health, addressing topics like adolescent mental health, social determinants of health, STI prevention, health equity, and adequately serving LGBTQIA youth. Early bird pricing runs until April 3rd, so take advantage of the discount. Learn more by visiting factforward.org SI. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Honoring Women of Color in Public Health. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno, and today we're speaking to Garway Lee. She is an epidemiologist at the California Department of Public Health, and she is currently working on the COVID-19 response team. So I'm really excited to hear what she's been working on over there and what it's been like in California and the state as it relates to the COVID response and her experiences and her stories in public health. Welcome, Garway. Thank you, April. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much. And I will go ahead and just add on that we do know each other from school, CGU alum. We were classmates together and that's how we met. So I'm really excited to hear your story today, to share it on the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about your current work. Um, so I can definitely discuss about my current work. Unfortunately, I can't get into too much of the specifics, um, as you know, uh, because we are an organization that does work with PHI or uh, personal information, personal healthcare information. So um, I don't want to get too much into the weeds. And also um, just because there, there are certain things that I, I can't share uh, broadly. But um, in general, what I do is um, I basically work on transferring um, cases and um, looking at cases uh, related to travel um, and people who travel while they're infectious uh, with COVID-19. Um, so we just make sure that the proper people get notified when we get an alert of someone who um, had traveled while they are infectious. That could be either CDC or the local health jurisdiction that the person lives in so that they can conduct proper contact tracing and also to um, even notify the individual if they don't know that they've uh, tested positive. Other things that we do is to make sure that the cases who are traveling and maybe tested somewhere else get counted in the correct jurisdiction. So if someone from out of state comes and gets tested in California, we don't want to count them um, as a California case. So we would transfer that case to wherever state they um, live in. And the same goes for different jurisdictions within California. So if someone gets tested um, while they're visiting LA, but they actually live somewhere up in the Bay Area, then we'll have to facilitate that transfer. So that's the bulk of what I do. Um, and that, yeah, basically takes up most of my day. 
we do have teams in place that do look at these kinds of things. You know, there there is a seasonality or it seems like there's a seasonality. Um, it seems like some, during holidays and summer, you know, there's always more travel during that time. And so the work picks up during that time. But again, we can't really say for sure, like it is because people are traveling more. Like we don't know. It just, you know, the workload will fluctuate and just it, it looks like, you know, sometimes we, we, we get a little bit more busy during those times. Yeah, so sometimes you do see like these increases in reports and things that numbers of calls that you need to make and so on. So Garway, please tell us a little bit more about your public health story. You know, some people are really excited about learning more about epidemiology, more about this field of public health. How did you get started? So I got started kind of accidentally, and um, I actually really like telling the story. I've told it many times to people who are interested in public health or actually may not know what public health is and, you know, are interested. So um, I think like many, many, many other Asian slash Chinese kids, like when I was a kid, uh, my parents didn't really have a lot of options of what they wanted me to be. And, you know, a lot of people are like doctor or engineer. No, my parents were like doctor or bust, like, <laughs> or we're not paying for your education. And I'm like, well, that's weird because, you know, it's really hard to get into med school. And I don't even know if I want to be like, even if I did get in, do I want to go through all that training? Do I want to see patients? Is that what I want to do? Um, and yeah, you know, you can make the argument that like some doctors don't see patients. They do have that, you know, they do public health, they do admin. And I'm like, okay. Yes, but like, do I really want to go through the medical training to do all that? Um, so when I was in college, I didn't know. So I was like, you know, this is this is the only career option that, you know, I really know about. So I'm gonna start exploring some internships, uh, some experience that might help me get into medical school. Um, so in looking for like a medical school kind of internship, I found a public health internship because, you know, at the time you could use a public health internship, put it on your resume and, and use it for medical school. Um, so that, that was my intention. And this was the, um, at UC Berkeley, the sexual health education program. And that is sponsored by the school of public health at UC Berkeley. Um, so I got into that. Um, just because they were handing out flyers <laughs> on campus. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. And um, sexual health is not something that we really talked about when um, I was growing up. And, um, you know, whenever I would have sexual health um, education in the schools, like, you know, in high school and middle school, I always thought that it was a really fun topic. And like the teacher was always really awesome. We had the same teacher because they would contract out. Um, so the teacher was always really awesome. And um, I was like, yeah, this is something that I could probably, you know, give a try. So um, I applied for it. I didn't think I would get in because I didn't have any experience doing any of that stuff. Um, but, you know, the director took a chance on me and, you know, now we are still friends. <laughs> So um, the, the person who runs SHEP or the sexual health education program, um, she is still doing that. And a couple of months ago, I actually, uh, for, I guess it was public health week, um, I went to um, her class and actually talked about some very similar things. You know, I talked about how I got into public health and talked about what I'm doing now, um, talked about what public health meant to me and means to me. Um, 
So I'm forever grateful for Robin Mills, who uh, took a chance on me and accepted me into the sexual health education program as a peer educator. And that is how I got started in public health. <laughs> Thank you. And that's so important because you mentioned mentorship and support. That's really what this podcast is about, honoring women of color in public health. How can we mentor and support, provide advice and support and guidance to uh, women of color who are interested in this field? Maybe they're students, maybe they're looking for work, maybe they are just completely new to public health, but that's what this podcast is about. So how can we encourage and provide support? So thank you for sharing that story. Mentorship is so important. So tell us a little bit more about you know, that move into public health, what happened with your parents? Are they okay with it now? Yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm happy to talk about that. Um, so, you know, that was the introduction into it, of course. And then when I kind of started, I was like, oh, you know, this is a healthcare, um, I, I, maybe not a healthcare field, but like a healthcare adjacent field, a field that deals with health but in a different way than a doctor would, like, you know, we would be speaking to groups of people, you know, we would be educating, we would be giving sexual health education to a group of people. Uh, when we look at data, we would be looking at data from like a group of people, not just like an individualistic kind of standpoint. And I, I think I really liked that um, broad reach that public health had because, you know, it's public and, um, and not private. <laughs> That's kind of dumb, but that, that's essentially like the core of it. You know, you are dealing with pop populations um, and you're dealing with the public. And I really liked that aspect of it when I went out and gave presentations to these student groups. We would give presentations to like fraternities, to sororities, to other student groups who might request that. And I was like, you know, how can I turn this into something that I do every day um, and that I, you know, enjoy? Because I don't know if I would enjoy um, working like in a hospital every day, like it would probably wear me out really fast. Um, but I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy working with populations and data. So uh, I started looking into, um, higher education that, you know, masters in public health, essentially, instead of, you know, looking at, um, medical school. And at the time I was kind of still, um, maybe dabbling with, you know, both. <laughs> and I think that's still a lot of my, my, my parents, parents influence. Um, at the time, they're like, oh, you know, we don't really know much about public health. And instead of asking me to like explain it to them, they were just like, we don't really know anything about it. Like, can you not do that? And I was like, well, I can tell you more about it. I can give you, you know, um, I can send you some websites or I could talk to you about it. Like we don't, um, I, I, I would like your support, but I'm going to do this whether or not you quote unquote approve. Because uh, it is my career. And like, if you're, um, and eventually, you know, my, my dad came around first. He actually started um, talking to me about it. He was like, you know, he told me he was concerned and I'm like, you know, it's okay to be concerned. I, I don't, you know, I'm not mad at you for being concerned because this is a new topic and um, you don't know anything about it, but don't just come out and be like, just because you're not going to be a doctor, um, your job security is not going to be good. And I'm like, well, look at me now, you know, <laughs> um, I think at th this point in my life and career, I don't really need a, a doctorate, like I'm happy with the masters that I have. It, it, it serves me. At least I know that I'm happy with it. And 
and have a fulfilling job. So tell us, you know, some people are still looking for work. I'm hearing so many stories about people with MPHs and they're just Mm -hmm. saying that they've been really struggling to find work. Is there any advice you can give to somebody who is getting started, who really would like to work for, you know, government, for example, California Department of Public Health? For sure. I think my number one biggest advice that I had to like really take for myself is be flexible. Um, And what I mean by that is that, you know, you, I went into public health being like, I only want to work on STDs that I I don't care about any other pathogen. I don't care about any other illness. I only want to work with STDs because one, that's what I have uh, experience with. And two, like that was, what's interesting to me. But then, you know, when you start applying for jobs, you, you don't have like, you know, an unlimited amount of things to choose from, you know, you, you, it really depends on what the organization needs, what the entity is looking for. Like if there are studies, um, that require people who, you know, know things about STDs, et cetera, like, you know, so when I applied, like the timing was really, um, unfortunate for me because the, the place that I worked for the first, um, right out of grad school was called the California Emerging Infections Program. And that is a surveillance program. It looks at, uh, I think, like certain pathogens, like I guess group A strep was one, um, a lot of foodborne pathogens, and we would do surveillance. So we would like track, you know, how many are in it, like how many cases are in a county, et cetera. Um, And when I applied, there were two positions. There was an HPV research assistant, and then there was a pertussis research assistant. And the HPV research assistant uh, position is the one I really wanted. But unfortunately, it was posted like two months before my graduation date. And at the time, I wasn't looking at posts. Um, so I I ended up getting the pertussis research assistant, uh, which is, you know, I was really happy about because uh, it was right out of grad school. I know a lot of people were still looking for jobs. And I'm like, hey, you know, I got a I got an offer. I am grateful for the offer. Um, and if I can work in, you know, pertussis or whatever pathogen they assign me until I can get a chance to look at other um, positions, then I'm grateful for that. And I think that is something that people should definitely remember is that like a lot of times public health goes by need. So what was the need for the past two years? It was COVID. So if you're trying to look for a job that wasn't COVID related in public health, it was impossible. And um, I, even people who were working on other diseases within the health department were pulled away to do COVID. Like they didn't work on, um, you know, salmonella for like a year (laughs) uh, because, you know, COVID was what was needed. Um, So I think that's something that, you know, people, uh, can keep in mind is that like, you know, you, you can always build up to what your ultimate goal is, but if you are a little sidetracked along the way, that is okay. And even if you are, you'll get the experience. And what's really in public about uh, what, what the, what's really important about public health is the skills. So, um, what I was working on, you know, I guess, uh, oh, okay, I'll give uh, the Shigella project as a, um, as an example. So I worked on a research study that had to do with uh, Shigellosis, um, which is a diarrheal illness. And I used, you know, 
many of the skills that I learned um, at CGU, at my biostat skills, my epi skills um, on this pathogen. But if I were to, you know, go and work on a different study, I could still use those same skills. They're very transferable. And I think that's what is the most important thing about public health is that when you go into schooling, when you go into training, you learn these skills and you apply them wherever the heck you need to. And that is, I think, what's awesome about it. You could do anything anywhere. You don't even have to work in public health. Like I know people who got masters and started working in tech because statistics and data farming, data mining, that's, you know, where the money is. Yeah. So that's what they decided to do. And I'm like, okay, go for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then even like people who don't work in public health during the emergency, they were sent to do contact tracing. Like my child support friends, they were doing contact tracing because that's where the need was, like you mentioned. So, I mean, there's just so many ways to get into public health or to apply public health to get into another field. So many options. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, so um, yeah, I guess we are down to the last few minutes here, but you know, I would love any, any last advice you'd have for anybody and then how they can find out more about you know, the work that you do, that's that website, that information. And there is a website that I sent to my dad, like this was maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, it's called thisispublichealth.org or something like that. And um, I found that website, like it was a, a bumper sticker that was stuck in a UC Berkeley bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, that's, I wonder what that is. Let me look. And of course it was like a wash your hands type thing. Uh, but when I went to the website, it was like, this is what public health is. You know, we are dealing with, you know, um, populations and we do messaging toward populations and here are the different core aspects of public health and like here and I sent that to my dad and I was like you know this is actually like a really um good field and I really really like this field um and he you know read it and was like yeah this, this is nice um I, I think another really good website is like you know the any of the uh state or local health jurisdiction public health websites. Um, and I like them because the way that they set up their websites and their messaging, it's usually pretty clear. Um, and I, I, I like that there's not too much to read. They really summarize and like the main points of what, um, one thing that though, I think that they don't really have, unfortunately, is like how to get a career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, I'm always like, how do I apply for a job here? And a lot of times, like, you don't. You don't go to that website to apply for a job. You have to go to a completely different one. Right. So that is something that I say isn't very intuitive. But in terms of getting information about what is public health and, like, what are the diseases and illnesses that we should be looking out for, that I would say it does very well. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if you're trying to look for a job, yeah, that's that's a hard <laughs> Yeah, it's more challenging. I guess it's really yeah, how that, networks. Right? Yes, networking that really helps. Um, sometimes just going to like Indeed and typing in like epidemiology, like that's kind of how I got my job. Um, there are listservs and stuff that people can get on. I think, and I think a really good resource is like the school. I I think CGU um, and whoever the program manager, I guess Bree, uh, you know really connects with their alumni and like here here are some jobs here and please please spread them and I think that's a really good way yeah mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, connecting with your college or your school's career department or your department um, in public health, checking out the websites, just do like your city or your county or even your state public health, do a search and you'll get that website with all the information. Yeah. It's a good way to go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Garway, for joining us today. And today we honor you in public oh, health. <laughs> Thanks. And I honor you too. Um, thank you for always keeping in touch with me. And um, I always like hearing from, from CGU friends. And as you know, like a lot of us still keep in touch. And I think it's really great. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Honoring Women of Color in Public Health. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com.